0: Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports,
1: your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Sean Moran from Sean Mo Hoops. Sean, thanks for joining me today, man. How are you doing, John? Doing pretty well. We've got a big time game to talk about that's coming up on Saturday. I think uh, Carolina fans may know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Last game of the season at Duke and the first time to uh, sweep Duke since 2009. So definitely a big game and and even more so uh, with the recent home loss to Miami.
1: Yeah, that Miami loss really put them behind the eight ball, I think, in terms of seeding, not only for the ACC tournament and for the NCAA tournament. So let's just start there. I mean, as you mentioned, this is Carolina's first opportunity to go for a sweep against Duke in eight years, nine years, actually, I think, if if my math is right. And the Duke game is always important. But even Roy said that it's not usually one of the must-win games. But that may be different for this team.
0: Yeah. You know, I think in terms of seeding for the ACC, that's that's less important. Uh, you know, if they get a, a four or five seed, there's a lot of 11 and seven and, and potentially, um, you know, teams in that in that area. So they could slip. But if they get the four or five seed, it's not the end of the world, potentially match up with Virginia, which I think they would actually match up with pretty well in the tournament who they're two uh, and zero. Against an ACC tournament since Tony Bennett has been there, but I'd say it's more really for the NCAA tournament right now ESPN and a few websites have them on that two seed even with the loss to Miami and if they they venture down to that three seed it obviously just makes the earlier games a little bit tougher. so if they can beat Duke and sweep them uh, that that is just another big notch for them in terms of their their resume. And then if they can get another good winner or two in the ACC tournament, I think that should lock it up. But I think it's really big for how seeding will be determined next week for the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, and and the two pods that Carolina fans are obviously hoping the Heels get selected for are Charlotte and Nashville. And they're going to have some competition along those two seed line, I think, because if Duke is selected ahead of them in the pecking order, I think that Duke may be the team playing just a couple hours away from their main campus.
0: Yeah, I mean, if they got Nashville, it would still be close enough for a lot of Carolina fans to attend. So not too worried about that. Obviously, they have a great track record in Charlotte and and having the first two rounds in there would be great. But Nashville isn't, isn't too far away. However, with the Carolina team, we've seen the great offensive team and the less than stellar defensive team, you know, any advantage they can get in the first two rounds to avoid a potential upset, definitely going to be crucial.
1: Yeah. And let's go ahead and transition into that. Then the Miami game was about as poor of a defensive display as I can remember seeing from a a Roy Williams team. I mean, maybe, you know, some people may point to Wolford as being a little bit worse, but as Dewey Burke mentioned on our post-game pod, When Carolina scores 88 points at home, you expect them to win, especially considering that they out-rebounded the Hurricanes, they did not have too many turnovers, but yet the defense just really let them down. What do you think Roy might try to change for the Duke game coming up?
0: Sure. Well, just going to the Miami game, and and something we talked about last week on the podcast is that Jim Laronega and Miami tend to play well against UNC. and. To me, when when watching it, you know, they weren't really running that much of a set offense. They're running pick and rolls, but they're really just spreading Carolina out and letting their players go one-on-one. And Miami has talented athletic players from Chris Lakes, who's the fastest player in the ACC, to Jaquan Newton, who's a senior that can take people off the dribble. And then Lonnie Walker, who should be potentially a lottery pick, first round pick next year. And while he, you know, skill level definitely has a ways to go you could tell it was very difficult for Kenny to stay in front of him with his long first step. So I think the good thing about going, you know, from Miami to Duke is is it'll be a little bit different, but once again, you know, Trayvon Duvall and and Grayson Allen, a lot of talented players. So I expect to see probably more of a focused effort. Uh, I feel the focus was lacking a lot against Miami on both the offensive and, and defensive end and really kind of getting into the Duke game, the way Duke has, has really slowed, the tempo down in the games they've been playing ever since they lost to Carolina, um, I think will make that also a little easier on the defensive end of not having that, you know, really breakneck speed that the game was played at originally. So I think it's really just kind of more of a focused effort and just, you know, they, they really struggle in, in the pick and roll situations at times and, and just talking and, and being aware of of kind of what the, their man is doing on the, on the offensive end.
1: I don't really recall Duke utilizing the pick and roll too often during that first game in Chapel Hill. Do you think that that's been a big staple of the Duke offense this year though
0: you know it it usually is i you know they usually kind of run the pick and roll to death in years past. I feel they, they haven't done it as as much this year, even though you know Bagley's an extremely talented player and and Carter but they're also a little bit different than they have been the last few years. I think the last, you know, probably four years, they've had that uh, really small forward playing the power forward position and really that mismatch at the power at the, at the four spot. And this year when they're playing two big guys, sometimes three big guys, they don't have that ability to pick a and pop and, and space the floor and, and attack probably a slower defender. So I think, you know, one thing we'll see is, is really Duke trying to get it down low to Bagley and, and Carter. I think, in the first game they had success doing that but they definitely didn't do that enough especially in the second half given the size advantage they had so i would expect to see kind of a an effort on the duke guards to to throw it down low and whether it's getting may in foul trouble or just using their height advantage to get easy baskets um i could definitely see that at the beginning of the game as as duke you know tries to establish an identity pretty early on
1: And I think as far as the Carolina's defense goes, a lot of it will determine on how well Grayson Allen plays, because in that first game, he had about the worst game possibly of his career, both on the offensive and defensive sides. Since this is his senior night, he's going to be really looking to have a much better performance against the Heels. And if he can hit some of those outside shots, I think that really could pose a big time problem for the Heels as their defensive game plan goes.
0: Yeah, the first game he was he was two for eight from the three point line, and then, you know, really came into his own uh, without Bagley in the lineup. And it wasn't until the Syracuse game this past weekend where he was 0 for six from the three point line, and then went four for fifteen from Virginia Tech. So I, you know, I highly doubt he'll he'll go zero and six in his senior night against Carolina, that has one of the worst three point defenses in the league. So you know, I think slowing him is is definitely going to be key but it's also keeping Gary Trent contained as well given he's been relatively lights out and you know once again you look at that Syracuse game and it's kind of a stat that I have to do a double take on but they shot 2 for 18 from 3 which is you know something you never see from a Duke team yet they were never really threatened at all in that game and that just kind of goes to how they've really changed up their style of play. And after the UNC game, we were talking about Duke as being one of the worst teams defensively. And now, you know, they're, you know, top 15 in the country for their defensive rating, where UNC has really dropped every game. So it'll be completely different in terms of style play. And and I'd
1: say the focus of Duke's kind of defensive efforts. Do you see Roy Williams utilizing Theo Pinson to guard Bagley in that small ball lineup again for this game?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. You know, definitely won't start on them. But as the, you know, first half gets in and second half, I can definitely see Roy trying a few different looks at Bagley, whether it's foul trouble or just kind of showing a different look. Now this time, you know, Duke will be more prepared for that. I feel like they're a little flummoxed when, you know, when they had Pinson guarding Bagley and it was hard for them to one throw the ball in and you have a very active athletic defender guarding him. But I feel this time they'll they'll try to get Theo on the low block and, and get Bagley with good position. But I think we'll definitely see that with, with Theo, just given how versatile he is going from, you know, probably guarding Duvall all the way to Bagley, but it'll kind of come down to what type of style Roy wants to play. Is he going to double the bigs at all? And if so, obviously that leaves the, the shooters open on, on the wings from Allen and Trent, or is he going to play straight up? And if he's playing straight up, you know, can Luke May and Manley when he comes in or, or Cam Johnson, can they defend adequately enough in the post? And, you know, we saw a lot of time in the first game, especially the first half, Bagley was having his way. And when he missed it, it was pretty easy for him to get offensive rebounds. So that's, that's going to be key is can UNC keep the Duke bigs off the boards for their second chance opportunities.
1: All right, and let's start talking about what the Heels can do on offense. The team has been shooting the ball really well during these last few games. And how do you think the Heels may attack that Duke 2-3 zone that like you said has actually improved their defensive rating to be now in the top 15 in the country?
0: Yeah, well I think, you know, how they attack it will be will be interesting because the, the main point of the Duke defense is to make it more difficult for uh, the opponent to to shoot threes and get those unguarded looks that that UNC was getting the first time and then you know with the three or four wings that they're kind of using that they're cutting off off the wings and then they're just putting Bagley or Carter or one of the bigs really down low to kind of protect the rim so one of the things we saw in the first game was whoever had the ball had an advantage and they could get to the rim pretty easily and oftentimes it was pretty unchallenged and and now given one guy is is usually in the paint they're going to have more contested looks but with the ability to shoot from almost every position i think for unc it's just going to come down to moving the ball quickly kind of you know how they played against Syracuse, of putting pinson or may flashing you know into the the middle around the free throw line or a little bit into the corners and really just making quick decisions um, you know i know duke's defensive numbers have jumped up i'm still skeptical regarding their true ability to play defense just given how poor they were in man-to-man and you know something we talked about last time was I thought it was masking their deficiencies which it definitely is but they're still not a strong I'd say defensive team in terms of just individual bases so if UNC can kind of attack the open spots which are going to be kind of the corners and the middle of the middle of the paint I think they can get some easy baskets or easy quick hitters off of that.
1: So Dewey Burke mentioned this in our post-game pod that he would like to see Luke May shoot either eight to ten threes a game. When you're looking at this matchup against Duke, do you think that Luke May should just let it rip whenever he basically has daylight? Because it seems like as of late, he's been a little bit hesitant to shoot the ball, especially after that NC State game where he just went lights out.
0: Yeah, you know, in terms of 8 to 10 threes, that's probably something we're not going to see against a Duke game. But uh, just, just because of how they're they're playing their zone defense to kind of try to eliminate the three or at least make it a little tougher. But if he's catching the ball from 15 feet, uh, he should have a field day because he, you know, with, with his quick release and his ability to turn and face, if he's taking 8 to 10 kind of mid-range jump shots, I think, you know, he could definitely have success doing that. You know, I know the mid-range jump shot is no, not the most efficient way to play basketball, but when you're Luke May and you kind of have that, that quick trigger and ability to shoot so comfortably from, from 12 to 15 feet, I think that'll cause a big problem because, you know, Bagley or Carter or Bolden, they're going to be hanging out by the basket and they're not going to want to come out and guard, guard him at that point in time. So if they do, then that kind of creates a dump off or an easy pass to a cutter. But he should have, I, I'd say, a lot of good looks from that, that range.
1: How big of a role do you think Theo Penson's going to have? Because in that Syracuse game that we've alluded to a couple times now, Carolina was really able to get a lot of good looks attacking that 2-3 zone, and much of that was due to Theo working that elbow free throw spot. Do you think Roy is going to use him in the same way against Duke? I think Theo's going
0: to have, or he has the potential to have another, another really big game. You know, as we talked about, he's been been playing great, and and you know when it's not scoring, he's rebounding, and you know each each game it's kind of a new career high, whether it's points, rebounds, or assists. So the last two games he's had seven and eleven assists, but I think kind of what you were talking about, getting into that paint or that ability to cut to the basket is going to be huge. I think he can make a difference uh, really attacking, whether it's Duvall or Grayson, kind of at the top of the zone and putting pressure on them initially because he has the ability to attack them off the dribble with his size and quickness and then make that pass to whether it's Kenny or or Cam kind of out on the perimeter. So I think he's going to have a a big game uh, just like he did Really, the first game, and I know he only scored four points, but uh, you know how he affected it defensively was huge, and and his ability to to grab rebounds, and it might not be scoring, but I, I could see him having kind of a you know a sixteen eight and eight type game, and really putting up a good stat line.
1: If Carolina is going to be victorious in Cameron Indoor, which of the heels do you think must play their best game?
0: Ooh, that's a that's a tough. Tough question. I'm going to go, I mean, I'm going to go with Joel Berry just because I mean, I know he's been been playing great and coming off that fantastic senior night where he was just lights out the last, last 15 minutes, but I think he's going to need to have kind of, you know, not the 31 points, but he's going to need to score in the twenties and his three pointer is going to need to be, be going. Uh, you know, one thing I've, I've kind of noticed is an NC state game, a Miami game, you know, a lot of the the point guards like to talk trash to Barry, and and it seems he responds. So, hopefully Duvall or, or Grayson can can say something and and get him going. But if he's hitting his outside shots and even attacking the basket and finishing, I think that's going to be a huge key. You know, we've seen UNC win with Cam having an off night or or Kenny, and I know. Kenny had a huge game against Duke early, so they're going to be, be focusing on him and making sure he's not getting those, those unguarded looks. But, you know, I would say Barry, although to beat Duke is going to have to be, a, you know, as
1: cliche as this is, a, a good team performance. Definitely. But I think my choice for the quote unquote X factor in this game is actually Cam Johnson because he was instrumental in that first game in Chapel Hill by pulling down 13 rebounds. And he also played really good defense against guys that are just bigger than him. So I think that if the Heels are going to win on Saturday, Cam is going to have to have another big-time game at that 3-4 slash spot.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely don't disagree with that. And how Cam played against Duke the first time was huge, just given when you're giving up that size, you you know, everybody really needs to be, be focused, whether it's rebounding or, or helping or fronting. So with his ability to shoot and his size, I think he can definitely, as you said, kind of be the, be one of the guys that can really alter the game. You know, one, one other thing, just to kind of, of mention, which I'll be interested in seeing is really how the, the tempo of the game goes. Obviously Roy Williams and UNC, everybody knows they like to, to get up and down and, and push the ball. And, you know, for the most part, Duke usually does do that not to the same extent but uh, I know early in the season uh, especially given kind of the the speed and athleticism that Duval has was they're really playing fast uh they weren't playing as fast as UNC but for a Duke team they were you know they were getting up and down and I was looking at this earlier going through the Carolina game if you looked at their their tempo they were kind of top 25 and then Ever Sunset They've gone to the zone. They've really slowed things down. And if you just look at the last, I think six or seven games, now they're in like the 280, 290th range in terms of tempo. So if UNC can can get them to to speed it up and and play at a faster pace, I think that will
1: definitely play into UNC's advantage. And then what about the Carolina bench? Do you think that this is a game that you know Roy may have to call up Sterling Manley or Garrison Brooks and? really pull some minutes just in the flow of it? Or do you think Roy may try to run the starters for a majority and really just have to turn to the bench in case someone gets in foul trouble?
0: You know, I, I definitely think Sterling and Brooks will be getting the playing time. And it might be a case of how he's have seen of, you know, if Sterling plays well in the first half, he'll continue to get minutes. Or if he, he doesn't play well, then we'll, we'll see more of Garrison Brooks. But I think with the size advantage that Duke has, they're definitely going to have to get minutes during During the game, just to kind of give a different look and kind of give some help on the on the boards. So I I think both of them, you know, will definitely have an impact, and and hopefully the bench, you know, not just the two big guys, but when you're talking Playtech and and Robinson, hopefully they they can add something as well. Playtech didn't have a good game against Miami. You know, he missed the three badly and was getting getting beat off the dribble. But I feel both of them can. And hopefully impact the game by making, you know, one or two threes and, and holding their own on the defensive end. But, you know, it's going to take more than the starters to to beat Duke. And, you know, when they do come in off the bench, they're going to have to have kind of an impactful few minutes and basically not be a disadvantage to the team during the minutes that they're in. So whether it's Manley or Brooks or Robinson or Playtech or even Seventh Woods, I, I think everybody's going to need to need to play well at Cameron to come out with the the win.
1: All right, let's close out the Duke segment with two last questions, Sean, and I'm going to ask them to you at the same time. First one is, what do you think will be the deciding factor in this game? And then finally, go ahead and give me a prediction of who do you think will win?
0: (laughs) All right, the deciding factor, I I think, is going to be how effective is Duke inside. I I really think they're going to to try to pound the ball in and establish their identity down low by getting easy baskets with both Bagley and Carter. And then, you know, once they do that, will that open up things for Trent and, and Allen on the wing? So I think determining the game is going to come down to can UNC defend those guys in the post? You know, we know both teams are going to be shooting and, and making a lot of threes. But yeah, it's going to come down to to the ability for UNC to to stop the big guys and at the same time continue to put pressure and keep them off the boards. You know, when you when you look at this game uh, Duke is number one in the country in offensive rebounding and Carolina is number two. So Carolina won that advantage in the first round and, and really that was kind of one of the key factors. So if they can do that again or hold, um, you know, Duke to lower than that, their average, I think that'll be a definitely a turning point in terms of the, the prediction. Uh, you know, so looking at this, the this, this spread hasn't come out, but looking at Ken Palm, it has Duke 88, Carolina 81. I... I I'd say the last two years I felt very strongly about UNC coming in and and beating Duke just because I thought they were the better better team. This year I feel they're pretty even given they they won the first game and maybe this will be a hopeful reverse jinx, but I'm going to go kind of a 82 to to 77 Duke victory.
1: Yeah, I agree with that and, you know, I think Duke will also come away victorious on Saturday. The combination of playing at home, having the crowd kind of pump them up. I think Grayson Allen will actually have a decent game that this go around. And I think it, it will be close, but you know, Duke just has a little bit more going for them. But it's, it's like you said, I do think that this is a game that will be more of a toss up. And Caroline absolutely has a shot in this one because, you know, for all the talk at the beginning of the year about Duke having. just this incredible, talented roster. The teams are not that far apart, really. So we shall see. But let's go ahead and take a quick break. When we get back, Sean, I want to talk just for a few minutes about the point guard position because it's really been a point of heavy debate on the message board and amongst Carolina fans. So we'll just spend a couple minutes talking about that when we come back. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Sean Moran. And Sean, as we mentioned before we went to break, I wanted to close this podcast out with a little bit of talk on the point guard spot. The news broke today that Jaleek Felton has officially left the university, so that erases any questions about his availability for next season, which means that after Joel Berry graduates, Carolina is looking at Seventh Woods being the lone returning point guard i don 't count playtech as a point guard, I think he is a shooting guard all the way, and there's just not a whole lot of depth there at that point guard spot now
0: yeah well i'm I'm probably a little more pessimistic than than other people, but yeah it's definitely troubling and and something i've kind of been worried about for a while, just given you know, as you said seventh woods is is the lone returner and and he's yet to kind of show you know any flashes that he has the potential to to become a starter you know he's been dealing with injuries you know really both of his his freshman and and sophomore year and has never been able to kind of get in the groove but you know even watching him in high school uh you know at the time kind of this explosive athlete that was really really fun to watch when he got out on the break but in terms of his ball handling I I never really saw him as a, a true point guard especially in the Carolina system where they're so heavily dependent on their point guard and and we've seen, you know, a lot of great ones come through in in Roy's era. Now everything kind of Roy has been saying about Kobe White is that is that he's a point guard and you can play both the 1 and the 2. And, you know, to have the most talented lineup out on the court, uh it will involve Kobe playing playing the 1 and and Kenny at the 2, obviously depending on on who's coming back and and how things shake out, but I'm still uh you know, a little pessimistic on, on that, just given how great of a score Kobe is. And I know, you know, he is a good passer and, and has a good feel, but, uh, you know, I, I'd rather have kind of a two point guard and, and somebody that can distribute to Kenny and Kobe on the wings and just let them, you know, Kenny shooting the three and, and Kobe attacking the basket and, and pulling up for his, his, uh you know, dribble jump shots. But unfortunately, that's not how it'll look. So, you know, it'll be interesting next year and, and something I'm, I'm worried about, uh, just given how important the point guard play is. But, you know, maybe that's an opportunity for, for Rayshon Black to, to step in. And, you know, while he's six seven six eight, 6'8", uh, he does have kind of that ability to bring the ball up. So maybe, you know, he's seen more minutes kind of playing that, that Theo Pinson role of being the ball handler and, and distributor. And that kind of frees uh, Kobe and, and Kenny up on the wings to, to really do their thing. So
1: I have not watched many complete games of Colby White. A lot of what I've seen of him has just been the highlights. And I assume that's probably the case for most Carolina fans. But when you're taking his games in in the more of the aggregate, do you think that Colby has the attributes that Roy Williams looks for in his point guards with the ability to see the whole court, kind of set up plays before they happen, anything along those kind of lines?
0: Yeah, I mean he's definitely a talented, talented player, and and he has good vision, and and is just you know a strong overall offensive player. You know, I I do think I would love to see him just kind of you know get the ball on the wing and attack. Uh, so I don't think we're going to be seeing any of the you know the Kendall Marshall type get the ball out of bounds and and throwing the three quarter court passes or anything like that from him. Uh, but I think he will. Have the ability to to push the ball up and and kind of play in that up tempo system that that Roy likes, but to me, you know, it it is concerning just how important, as we said, the point guard play is is for UNC, and even when we've seen Felton and and Marshall and Barry, and you know, it takes them takes them a while to kind of learn the system and and get up to speed. So I could definitely see some some growing pains um, with that, but you know, Roy has been wanting to kind of go that combo guard style and, you know, it does give another uh, legitimate score out at the point guard spot. But, uh, you know, with, with Seventh Woods, it'll be, be interesting to see, you know, can he get healthy and, and can he develop? And, you know, to me, it, it looks like he's gained a lot of upper body strength. And I don't know if that's playing a, a factor in kind of his, I'd say, reduced athleticism um, along with the injuries, but you know, in high school, whether it was a mixtapes or seeing him in person, just this freakish athlete that, you know, could come do, you know, the chase down block or or really explode to the basket. And and we've yet to see that. But I think it's going to be a mix next year of of Kobe, uh some seventh, and then and then probably more Ray Black than we anticipated. But you know, hopefully it'll be be Kobe in that starting lineup, you know, at the beginning of the year. Yeah,
1: and Leaky Black is the freshman that you mentioned a couple of times. He has played that point forward for his high school and AAU team, I believe, for several years now. But what about Nazir Little? Do you think that he might be given a little bit more of a distribution ball handling? Because from what I've seen of him, he may actually have that ability as well.
0: Well, in in terms of of Rayshon, yeah, he has been kind of playing that, whether it's high school or or AAU. So he has always had that, the ball in his hands. and. He is, you know, in terms of his stat line, if you had to project it, it ideally it would look a little bit like Pinson's. He's never going to be the 20 point, uh, you know, 25 point scorer, but he's going to give you maybe, you know, six to eight points, a few rebounds and a few assists. So he's going to be more of kind of a stat stuffer, which I think could be valuable in terms of, you know, okay, let's let him handle the ball a little bit more. And, and then we can let our scorers do their thing in terms of Nas Little. Uh, you know, I, he definitely, when I've watched him, you know, I got to see him in person over the summer and unfortunately he was hurt when I tried to watch him during the school year this year, but when watching his game on film, his handle is definitely tightened up Uh, when he gets the ball on the wings and he's able to attack with these quick dribble moves, but it's still, you know, he's, it still needs some work, I would say, just in terms of, you know, bringing the ball up and handling under pressure. But when he gets the ball on the wings, I think he can definitely attack off the dribble. But I, I would see him more as kind of the, the small forward or kind of uh, stretch for next year.
1: And that's what I, I wanted to ask, because I wasn't sure if Nas is the type to really drive in and then dish for an assist. That's probably something that you see Leaky Black doing a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think when Naz is attacking, he's going to be, you know, trying to dunk on somebody and he has that ferocious, <laughs> I'm going to attack the rim and I'm going to get to the rim. Or I'm going to get to the foul line. So I think he's going to be, you know, kind of that, that bull, just, just attacking the, attacking the rim and and defenders aren't really going to want to get in his way. Um, and I feel like pretty, you know, pretty much any time he has a, has a high school game, I'm usually seeing on Twitter, some type of, you know, dunk on somebody or a, or a follow follow or a tip tip dunk. So, He's gonna have kind of that mentality while while Leaky is gonna to, gonna to be the more the playmaker and kind of the smooth, uh the smooth guard that can kind of, you know, not wow you with his physical traits, but kind of get to the spots he needs and and, and find the cutters when when they're open.
1: And let's bring this full circle and talk about Colby White again. What about his ability to drive and kick? Because To me, that's when the Carolina offense is at its best. When you have a point guard that can just take a guy off the dribble, get into the lane, make the defense commit, and then they can pass it to somebody. I mean, that's what won Roy National Championship with Ty Lawson and with Raymond Felton. Do you think that Colby has that ability to not only beat his guy, but to, you know, kind of play that I'm going to get into the lane and then distribute?
0: you know that's a good question and and something i i don't have a good good answer for right now um and and something we'll have to see in terms of his ability to attack i would say 100% yes uh you know his first step is fantastic and i think you know no matter if he's playing the point or the wing when he gets the ball he's going to really put pressure on the defense which uh, as you said, and and is going to be a key for the Duke game is is really putting that pressure on and kind of creating the advantages once you can get past the defender or get a wing defender helping out or a, a post defender having to to step up. So, the ability and, and the athleticism and quickness and first step is all there for for Kobe to to put that pressure on um, in terms of his kind of you know kick out ability and and ability to hit the cutters. Um, I think he does have it, but I'll be, I'm kind of interested to see how that part of his game really, really translates, uh, next year.
1: Yeah. And like you said, the point guard position is difficult to learn in this Roy Williams offense. So I think a lot of it is just going to depend on, you know, who, once everyone gets to campus, who can really pick it up the fastest.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with that. And, I know today on the the message boards, um, I think it was Brad Frederick was watching EJ Montgomery and Ashton Haggins, who's who's one of the top point guards in the 2019 class, who was originally committed to Georgia. There was rumors that he might reclassify, but now it seems he's sticking in that 2019 class where Jeremiah Francis is. So uh, I think UNC will monitor that that situation uh, just to see if he does reclass, But I would even if he does, put it at a at a long shot. So. Yeah, I really think it'll it'll kind of be okay. Let's you know, Seventh Woods has two years in the system, but you know, let's see let's see how they are when they get to campus and and who gives the the team the best opportunity to to win games.
1: It's definitely going to be a huge talking point over the summer, so we will talk more about that then, and just keep tabs on all of the developments that we hear out of summer camp. But hey, Sean, again, really appreciate you jumping on here with me, man. We will talk again next week after the Duke game and see about how the ACC tournament seating shapes up.
0: All right. Sounds good, John. And, and hopefully next time when we chat, we're both uh, eating our words for the, the UNC Duke prediction.
1: <laughs> I certainly hope so. Uh, and just real quick, Sean, where can people find your work again?
0: Sure. The website, seanmohoops.com. And I uh, haven't had anything up there uh, since the Drew Russell three-on-three podcast, but should be going through some all-conference all, all conference and uh, Player of the Year awards over the weekend. So I know we talked about this last time, but ACC, I'm still going Jerome Robinson. So we'll see how that shakes out over the next few days.
1: Well, Bagley and Luke May can certainly make a case on Saturday, considering that they'll be their teams will be going head-to-head. I don't know how much of a matchup we'll see them going one-on-one. But yeah, I think when the voting comes out, it'll be some good conversations. But that'll do it for us tonight. We'll talk with everyone again soon.
0: Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel
1: football, basketball, and recruiting.